This video is brought to you by Blessed Be God Boutique, maker of Catholic fashionable apparel, handmade accessories, and more. Francis often utters words that are, frankly, pretty heretical. It's not a stretch to say that, but rarely has he been so clear about it. Today I have for you an example of just him being abundantly clear. Francis uttering heresy in the most clear way possible, and so far, no bishop has stood up and corrected him. I'm looking at you, Cardinal Burke. I'm looking at you, Bishop Athanasius. I'm looking at you, Cardinal Mueller. It's time to correct Francis publicly, to rebuke him publicly, and to warn him of what he is making clear to the rest of us before he leads more souls to perdition. Let's talk about this. So for this, we turn to Paca Papa Francis, a man that an increasing number of Catholics are having a hard time calling Pope or Holy Father or the Vicar of Christ, and not only because he rejected that last title in a Vatican document, but because of things he has said publicly. Like this. During an address a couple of days ago, Francis uttered what can only be described as naked heresy. Quote, Let's think about those who have denied the faith, who are apostates, who are the persecutors of the church, who have denied their baptism. Are these also at home? Yes, these two. The blasphemers, all of them. We are brothers. This is the communion of saints. End heretical quote. As you can guess, I think he's not only wrong, but so wrong that his own words condemn him. To understand the error here, let's define something. What does the church tell us is the communion of saints? The communion of saints is a rather basic part of Catholic dogma. Let's begin with the Catechism of St. Pius X, which I've summarized what that holy catechism teaches here for you on what is the communion of saints. The Catechism of St. Pius X is formatted in a basic Thomistic fashion that is vastly superior to the current thing that gets called a catechism, because it's formatted in the manner of basic questions and basic answers. First, it asks the question, quote, What are we taught by these words of the ninth article of the Apostles' Creed, the communion of saints? And the answer, in the words of the communion of saints, the ninth article of the Creed teaches us that the church's spiritual goods both internal and external, are common to all her members because of the intimate union that exists between them. Question 2. What are the internal goods that are common in the church? And the answer. The internal goods that are common in the church are the graces received through the sacraments, faith, hope, and charity, the infinite merits of Jesus Christ, the superabundant merits of the Blessed Virgin and of the saints, and the fruit of all the good works done in the same church. End quote. Clear Maybe not. Most simply, the communion of saints are those members of the church to whom the graces and merits of Christ, the saints, and the sacraments apply. And this is the members of the Catholic Church. Let's be clear. The Catechism continues here asking the question is, who are they that do not belong to the communion of saints? And the answer, those who are condemned do not belong to the communion of saints in the other life. And in this life, those who belong neither to the body nor to the soul of the church, that is, those who are in mortal sin, and who are outside the true church. Question 11 then asks, who are they who are outside the church? And the answer, outside the true church are infidels, our so-called elder brothers, heretics, apostates, schismatics, and the excommunicated. End quote. In other words, people who are not members of the Catholic Church. Now, is that a hard teaching in our modern time? Oh, absolutely it is. I guarantee you, some of you winced at that. Some of you cringed. 
We have been conditioned as a Catholic people to believe that all are in the communion of saints, that all are part of the loving family of God. Since the 1960s, every single pope has gone to the UN and talked about how wonderful ecumenical dialogue is, and how there are wonderful things in other ways that claim to know God, and how the Old Covenant is still active, and all this other nonsense. But the Church used to teach, and frankly still does teach, that none of that is true, that no one comes to the Father except through Jesus Christ, and those that follow him in this life and the next are in the communion of the saints. And that is why it is so important that if we love others, we truly love them, we must tell them of our Lord. We must spread the gospel. And by those who follow him, we mean those who are members of the church he created, the Catholic Church, outside of which there is no salvation. It's a hard teaching, probably the hardest one. So far, that's been pretty simple, so let's go a little deeper. An article on Catholicism.org describes it this way, quote, The communion of saints is the greatest brotherhood or sisterhood there, that there ever could be in creation. It is the union of all those who have been sanctified by God. The word saint, used in its highest sense, means someone already in the beatific vision, whose heroism and holiness achieved on this earth have been acknowledged and approved by the Roman Catholic Church. But in a simple and initial sense, anyone can be called a saint who is in the state of sanctifying grace. St. Paul in his epistles refers to all earthly Christians living on earth as the saints. He does this over 30 times. Our Lord's beautiful way of letting everyone know that the early Christians were truly saints was when he said to St. Paul, who was then called Saul, not Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou my followers, but Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? The greatest of all expressions of Christian belief is the Apostles' Creed. In the Apostles' Creed, there are twelve articles, each of, the, of which was written by one of the twelve apostles. The ninth article of the Apostles' Creed is the expression of belief that those who are in the state of sanctifying grace are saints, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints. Those who die in a state of sanctifying grace, even when they go to purgatory, are saints. Those who have been purged in purgatory of all their offenses and have gone to heaven are saints forever. Those who have been outstandingly holy in achieving this goal while on earth are saints in the highest sense. End quote. These definitions make it clear that the communion of saints is dogmatically defined as those who are, one, in heaven enjoying the beatific vision, meaning the church triumphant, Two, the church suffering, those holy souls in purgatory being cleansed of their sins. And three, those in the church militant, those souls on earth in a state of sanctifying grace who are formal members of the Catholic Church. Mortal sin, technically speaking, places you outside the church, not in the same way that schism or apostasy does, but it does break that bond. Now, can this, by the definitions given to us by the church itself before the, the modernist crisis, include, as Francis the Merciful One said, Quote, those who have denied the faith, who are apostates, who are the persecutors of the church, who have denied their baptism, the blasphemers. End quote. No, if you deny the faith, you are an apostate, and apostates do not enjoy the beatific vision. They are cut off from sanctifying grace, let alone the rest of the categories that Francis included here. It's naked heresy, spoken from the mouth of a man the world sees as Pope, and this is why no Catholic can accept him and must pray for his conversion. But what does this mean for us? The world sees Francis as Pope, and he was elevated to that seat by his peers in the College of Cardinals. Is he Pope? Did he lose his office? Some say he never was, either because of his rather well-documented heresies from his time in Argentina, and others say because of the strange nature of Benedict XVI's resignation. And I don't know the answer, but I know what the doctors of the Church have said on this topic. St. Alphonsus Liguori is the one I'll focus on here, because it's making the rounds right now. His quote is really, really catching fire. Quote, 
If ever a pope, as a private person, should fall into heresy, he should at once fall from the pontificate. If, however, God were to permit a pope to become a notorious and, and contumacious heretic, he would by such fact cease to be pope, and the apostolic chair would be vacant. End quote. What does that mean? In general, it is thought that to mean that if he formally taught heresy, what is a formal teaching? Not something he speaks at a conference or during a homily at a mass or on an airplane somewhere or even at a public audience. A formal teaching is usually promulgated in writing and bears the seal of the authority of the Pope. Is that comforting? Not really. It gets worse. No power on earth can judge the Pope. The world sees this man as Pope. The institutions of the church say he is Pope. And all the bishops I asked at the beginning of this to correct him see, claimed him to be Pope. What does that leave us with? Not much. Our Lord says to pray for our enemies, and while I'm not sure if Francis is an enemy in the classic sense, he is leading souls to destruction with teachings like that, so he does absolutely qualify for needing our prayers. So pray for him, regardless of how much it pains you to do so, because it is a great act of charity on your part, and there come great graces with it. Some of you may be aware of a homily of a former FSSP priest given recently that was highlighted by the remnant. Michael Matt at the Remnants channel has a good video on this, so I won't quote him extensively here. But the priest is speaking there of Traditionis Custodis and the war the heretics in Rome are waging against the deposit of the faith and sacred tradition. But I think those words apply equally here to what we are seeing now with Francis rejecting and redefining dogma to feed, fit a universalist vision that is basically a clumsy version of Bishop Barron's dare we hope all men are saved nonsense. Here the priest gives priests and bishops, and by extension the laity, words to consider for how we deal with this. It begins with Dion Montagna asking the following question. What message would you like to send your brother priest in light of Pope Francis's Traditionis Custodis and the responsa ad dubia issued by CDW Prefect Archbishop Roach just days before Christmas? The priest's response is pretty straightforward. Quote, God is mighty. We only need to follow him, no matter what cost. He does not want us to support the destruction of Judas and Caiaphas. I mean with those like Archbishop Roach and Pope Francis, who are savaging the church and casting the faithful out. We can recognize their authority without complying with abuses of it. It really does not matter what price we pay on earth, only let us live in truth. Let us defend the flock. Let us break the jaws of the wicked and rescue the prey from their teeth. Traditionus Custodus is built on lies. Its content is incoherent, and it is aimed at the destruction of the greatest good on earth. The responsa are its vomit. It is better to be suspended than to pretend this wickedness has legal value. End quote. I provided St. Alphonsus Liguori's words earlier for a reason. His idea that a pope loses his office if he becomes a heretic is echoed by a lot of saints of the church, including St. Robert Bellarmine, most famously. We are in a position with growing numbers of people telling us to choose between what gets called the recognize and resist position, which is essentially the position of the SSPX and most of the mainline traditional Catholic commentators, and the other logical position, set of a contism. I'm not a set of a contest, never been one, but I've never been comfortable with the recognize and resist position either, partially because it's obvious that at the very least by uttering heretical words like this over and over and over and over again throughout his pontificate, and frankly his predecessors getting too cozy with heresy themselves, that a lot of authority was surrendered by Francis and the rest. Does that mean they lost their office? We need a clear formal church teaching from a council or a pope invoking infallibility on this, and there just isn't one. The logical answer to that is simple. Can a non-Catholic lead the Catholic Church? That is the question a set of a contest will ask you. The answer to that question appears to be no, because it's logical. But again, we don't have a formal teaching. 
That makes this all the more infuriating. Probably no pope thought that this was even a remote possibility. Something to consider there. The one thing that is for certain is that Francis wants rigid Catholics who have the faith to leave. He's trying to push us all out. Case in point, from Francis's own mouth on the Feast of Candlemas, no less, quote, The temptation today is to go back and conserve traditions, but with rigidity. Rigidity is a perversion. Behind every form of rigidity lies grave problems. No returning to the past. No rigidity. Let us open our eyes. End quote. One of the pillars of the faith is capital T tradition, sacred tradition. It is to be conserved, and here he appears to be rejecting even that. I'm not surprised at this point, it would have taken a miracle for anything, he says, to surprise me, or the fact that he called tradition a perversion. There's no other way to say this. How in the world can this man possibly possess the faith? The same faith that we cling to rigidly. The same faith of our fathers. He can't, and that leaves the church in a strange place. What do we do with all this? Let me know your thoughts in the comments, please. And before anyone asks, yes, I've studied the arguments of Sedevacantism, and I don't find them convincing. We're clearly being chastised by God for our own faithlessness, for our own sins, for our failure to do what heaven has ordered of us at Fatima. We're all too cozy with the world, every single one of us. I don't know where that leaves us, except to put on whatever the contemporary equivalent of sackcloth and ashes are. Thankfully, we are headed towards Lent, and as we get closer, I'll have a video about making Lent really count this year. So keep an eye out for that. Until then, let me know your thoughts in the comments, please. And like and subscribe if you haven't. It really does help. As always, pray for the church. Especially in light of all this. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.